Today is January 20th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer Wainwright. Welcome in and welcome back. We are here to get into this word and for this word to get into us. I am so happy to be sharing this moment with you right now. Let's just settle in and allow this word to wash all over us, to cleanse, to renew and ready us for whatever we have going on today. Let's be present and allow these words to flow through us and then flow out of us to touch and bless the lives of those around us. Let's receive this word by faith since we're here. Claim it as our own, walk in it, then walk it out. Now walk it out. Now walk it out. It's Friday and I feel good. We are picking up this story today in Genesis 41. Joseph is about to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. Genesis chapter 41, verses 17 through 42. New International Version. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile. When out of the river, there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered, because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials, 
So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Joseph in charge of Egypt. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephineth Paniah and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of An, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of An. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe everywhere. Joseph's brothers go to Egypt. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land the person who sold grain to all its people. 
So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. No, my lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. No, he said to them. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, Your servants were twelve brothers, the sons of one man, who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father, and one is no more. Joseph said to them, It is just as I told you, you are spies, and this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of your number to get your brother, The rest of you will be kept in prison so that your words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If you are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. And he put them all in custody for three days. Matthew chapter 13 verses 24 through 46. The parable of the weeds. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the weeds and went away. When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. The Parables of the Mustard Seed and the Yeast He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. The parable of the weeds explained. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. 
The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The Parables of the Hidden Treasure and the Pearl The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Psalm 18, verses 1 through 15. For the director of music, of David, the servant of the Lord, he sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, the cords of the grave coiled around me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him. Into his ears, the earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountain shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire came from his mouth, burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundation of the earth laid bare. At your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils. Proverbs chapter 4 verses 1 through 6 Get wisdom at any cost Listen my sons to a father's instruction pay attention and gain understanding I give you sound learning so do not forsake my teaching for I too was a son to my father still tender and cherished by my mother then he taught me and he said to me Take hold of my words with all your heart. 
Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. So when we left off yesterday in the commentary, we talked about how Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery as opposed to killing him because they were inflamed with envy and hatred. What we didn't talk about is how they then had to cover up that crime with their father. They killed a goat, spread the goat's blood all over the beautiful robe Jacob had given Joseph that they'd stripped him of before selling him, and then they presented it to Jacob as if they didn't know what happened to him. Jacob was horrified, crushed by the images the bloodied robe brought to his mind of his beloved son being torn to pieces by a wild animal. The Bible said that he was so deeply grieved that even though all his family tried to comfort him, he refused to be comforted, saying that he would go to his grave mourning for his son. Grief, like depression, sickness, and other emotional and physical distress, It can overwhelm us and make us feel like we won't ever be happy or normal again. We become so consumed by our pain that we push others away and we're unable to accept their comfort or consolation. And in this way, grief and trauma don't just affect the individual who suffers from it, but also the people around them. Now, Jacob doesn't know at this point that he's being deceived and that his son is really alive. So, He has to live with this unbearable agony. And it does make you wonder, is there a connection here once again between his past deceitfulness and his present anguish? If nothing else, we see how the emotional fallout of betrayal, loss, and deception can last a lifetime. He's an old man now. Many times we do have to live with the scars of our mistakes, even after we've been forgiven for them. And thank God for grace and the fact that we can still live a life that is full and meaningful. But being inside these stories the way we are now and seeing how their lives are playing out and how the choices of one affect the whole family, I personally am filled with compassion, conviction, and caution. There is a cost to every choice we make, and that price may be higher than we ever expected. Another interesting connection here, the Ishmaelites, to whom Joseph was sold originally, were descendants of Ishmael, Abraham and Hagar's son. Remember, Rebecca demanded that Hagar and Ishmael leave the house because she saw Ishmael teasing Isaac when they were younger, And also because she was never okay with the Hagar situation anyway, and it definitely didn't change after Ishmael's birth. Well, it was the Ishmaelites, the descendants of that little boy she showed no regard for, who would now enslave Joseph, her grandson. Yet another example of the interconnectedness of all things. And then Joseph... We've seen how he continued to be elevated from Potiphar's house to the prison to the palace. But the journey he had to take to get there, there are over 300 miles between Canaan and Egypt. As a slave, 
Joseph would have likely been shackled and traveling by foot rather than on the back of a camel like his captors, and that trip would have taken about 30 days. Then, imagine his disorientation when he got into Egypt. He was in a completely different land with a completely different culture, different customs, different language. He goes from the simplicity of rural life in the country to a lavish world full of palaces, pyramids, majestic temples, and bustling cities, while he's still reeling from the reality that not only has he been separated from his family, but he was betrayed by them as well. And he was only 17 years old. But God, he was with Joseph, just as he had been with his father, his grandfather, and his great-grandfather. And while these trials he experienced would be enough to break the spirit of the average person, Joseph is far from average. Joseph is actually kind of a beast. In the darkest of circumstances, the light of God never left him. And it was this light that attracted others to him, allowing him to rise above the circumstances he was under. Joseph was incredibly smart and recognized that his situation was dire and he was vulnerable. It would have been just as easy for him to cower, suffer, and sulk in silence at his misfortune. But he does not. He knows that his attitude and this dumpster fire of a situation is the one thing he can control. And he chooses to face it with the confidence of someone who knows that God has his back. See, that confidence... You move different when you know you're protected, cared for, and the bag is secure. It doesn't matter what you're facing. When you know God is with you, it's chin up, shoulders back, let's go. I've got grace in my back pocket, peace on tap, and a promise from God that I'm good. So what y'all want to do? Say, what's that? Oh, we will be tried. We will be tested. We will be knocked flat on our backs. But that's when God stretches his hand out and says, come on, you're all right. I got you. Oh, you're not ready? You need a minute? Oh, okay. Well, scoot over. I'm I'm coming down there with you. Come lay your head. Come on, lay your head right here. Abba has you. You just rest. And whenever you're ready, huh? What do you mean you feel alone? I sway. I told you I will never leave you. Never. I will be right here waiting for you and with you. And when you're ready, just say my name. And then we're going to get up and we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going because I love you too much to let you die here. I got big plans for you. We got to get back to work. But when you're ready, though, don't worry about none of that right now. I understand some stuff, you know, it takes longer than others to get up from. I'm just giving y'all a glimpse of how I hear God speaking to me. He is crazy about me and he's crazy about you too. And listen, Joseph could have this kind of confidence of knowing that he was covered because he knew, watch this, he hadn't done anything wrong. He was blameless and he was honoring God at every turn. Even when old girl tried to sleep with him, he shook her off like, Baby girl, first of all, your husband has put me in charge of everything here, gave me this sweet position. I know how good I got it right now. 
Second, I'm not about to sin against God like that. One minute, bye. He maintains his integrity there. And every time he's in position to use his gift of interpretation, he is very careful to make sure they know, oh, this ain't me. This is all God. I'm just a mouthpiece. He's careful not to take any credit. He knows that God is the source of his gift and the gift can never be greater than the giver. So despite all this favor and attention, he is still very humble. He never loses sight of who and whose he is. And it's because he maintains this integrity and humility that God continues to use him and exalt him to high places where he's in charge of all of Egypt. Talk about a come up. Joseph went from the bottom of the barrel to the top of the world, and I am here for it. Here's another major key. Make yourself invaluable in whatever situation you're in. Show up and do the absolute best job you can do no matter how small the task. Take nothing for granted. And don't be afraid to ask for what you want. The more value you add, whether it's to your job, your relationships, your community, the more opportunities will start coming your way. Serve more than you sell, give more than you take, and do more than you're paid for. This will not only increase your value, but it will enrich your sense of purpose and increase your confidence. When you add to the lives of others, it in turn adds value to your own life. It's a beautiful cycle of giving and receiving, and it is what makes us come alive as human beings. I hope y'all feel that. And now, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word, for the treasure it holds for us and how it brings us closer to you. Thank you for the example, the model of Joseph's life and showing us how you can use someone who is down and out to bring about the change that you want to make when their character is intact. Lord, we are grateful that you are a God of miracles, not just for the Josephs of the world, but for everyone who trusts you with everything. Lord, we pray that you would help us to stay humble, to keep our hearts right, to not be afraid of the circumstances we find ourselves in, to not take credit for the work that you show up and do through us. Lord, we thank you. We ask that you would continue to remind us when we are feeling down, when we are facing adversity, that you will bring us through, bring us out, or get in the struggle with us. Lord, we thank you for this space and this time, for the reminder that we are not alone, for the reminder that we have each other, for the reminder that we have you. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who not only sees our circumstances and our sins, but our hurts and our hearts. Lord, now I pray that every person listening would leave this space today feeling loved and knowing that they are enough the way that they are. I pray that they would know that their light is valuable, that their life is valuable. Lord, I pray that they would let go of anything that is weighing them down and hindering their ability to show up and do your work here on earth. I pray that the people who need your love and light the most would be able to feel it today. I pray that they would know that you are right beside them and that you are working on their behalf. 
Lord, let them experience the freedom to be all that you've created them to be. In Jesus' name, I ask all of these things. Amen. And our affirmation for today, there is a benefit and an opportunity in every experience I have. There is a benefit and an opportunity in every experience I have. And our aphorism, no change of circumstances can repair a defect of character. That's all I have for you today. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.